This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. As the market continues to wait for Facebook earnings to come out, at least within the next, I'd say, few minutes, at least at the time of recording from this podcast, the earnings might have already come out by the time you listen to this podcast. It seems like things are not going to be going well, at least when the market does potentially open up tomorrow. At the same time, Wall Street might be, have a little bit of head in the clouds still. I mean, we, we talked about how they've been shrugging off reports on Wall Street, but they don't seem to care about the reports that have been coming out. And it might be because of these following reports that have been coming out too. Some some news that we'll talk about on this podcast is Dutch of a Bank logs in ninth straight quarter of profit with big earnings beat. Bank stocks have been doing really, really well across the board this year so far. Another article we'll get into today also is about Boeing reports quarterly loss on problems in Air Force One and tanker programs and what that could mean for Boeing. We have some news from Seagate as well to report that they're going to be cutting at least 3,000 employees and the latest signs of a PC and cloud slowdown in the making. Then we got to talk about CNN with CNN's chief, Chris Litch, and he has big ideas and the employees at CNN are getting a little nervous. Accountability might be finally coming to CNN's reporters. And the last thing we got to be able to talk about has to do with the White House. The White House is apparently... They're hammering down on the economy now with two weeks before the midterm election, and they're attacking on junk fees. And we'll get a little bit more onto that as we continue this podcast. With that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company, as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please note that you should talk to your professional advisor, as they would understand your financial situation a lot better than I would. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. I cannot legally give you any financial advice. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Dutchua Bank longs a nice strength quarter with profit with big earnings beat. It's 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 just a a small thing to be able to talk about. Banks have been doing pretty much really well across the board, okay? But this article is saying, Dutchua Bank on Wednesday crushed market expectations for the third quarter amid higher interest rates and a turbulent marking trading. The bank reported a net income of 1.15 billion euros or 1.1 billion, correction, 1.11 billion for the quarter. Analysis had predicted a net profit of 827 million euros according to the data from Refinitiv. Quote, we're seeing the benefit of interest rates come through in our corporate bank and private bank, especially uh, essentially with the large deposits. And we're seeing our fixed our fixed income and currencies, business management, environmental extremely well. James Von uh, Moltke, CEO of Dutchua Bank, told CNBC, CEO uh, Christian Sewing is said in a statement that the bank is well on track to meet its 2022 goals. In the medium term, the bank is aiming to achieve returns on average tangible equity to above 10% by 2025. Whoa, 10% returns by 2025. That's where a lot of money is going to probably end up going these days. Potentially, not financial advice. They could be going to the bank stocks as interest rates rise. Banks tend to make more money, and it seems like it's happening, finally. 
Here's some things we got to point out. It says revenues rose 15% from a year ago and hit 6.92 billion euros. Common equity tier one ratio, a measure of the bank's solvency, stood at 13.3% from 13% a year ago. Looking at the bank individual divisions, investment banking revenues increased 6% from a year ago. In particular, revenues in fixed income and currencies were up 38% over the same period. And the, it had helped offset the lower performance in credit trading. Within this context, the bank said revenues in origination and ad, adversary dropped 85% year on year, pointing to lower deal making as has been the case with some of the U.S. peers. Corporate banking, however, saw the biggest jump in revenues among all divisions, up by 25% from a year ago. Dutchua Bank also said it's hard to, find, to further reduce its exposure to Russian credit over the same period. The bank has been cutting its ties with Russia in the wake of the Moscow unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. As a result, in addition, contingency risk fell to 0.2 billion euros from 0.6 billion euros at the second quarter. And then they're saying higher interest rates for longer. The German bank reported higher provisions in comparison the same quarter a year ago. These came as came in at 350 million euros at the end of the third quarter compared to 117 million euros at the same time last year. The bank said these reflected a more challenging macroeconomic forecast. Speaking to CNBC, Von Moltke uh, reiterated his expectation of a recession in 2023 in Germany and the broader European market. Despite the poor growth expectations, Dutchua Bank believes the European Central Bank will continue to hike rates. At the moment, the main ECB rate stands at 0.75%. You know, UBS had the Swiss bank the other day we had talked about. They believed that there was a recession coming as well, which means we might be seeing a recession around the world, but banks are de doing so well right now with interest rates rising, Okay. I mean, it's weird to think. The only bank I think that hasn't done well in reporting their earnings, I think it was Citi. We talked about past podcasts about banks reporting earnings, listen to them. And most of them have been doing really well, except for one bank. And like I said, I think it's Citibank. It's hard to remember all the banks. So much we report here on this podcast in general. But banks are doing really well, especially with interest rates rising. Right or rising right now, it's it's mind-boggling to think. Okay, I'm I'm also surprised too, at least in the political side here in the United States, that like President Joe Biden has yet to blame banks. Yet he's he's blamed big oil, obviously, and he's blaming everyone but himself for a lot of his policies. I mean, the yesterday on the Wall Street CNBC television show, they were saying that Jerome Powell is eventually going to be feeling the heat soon from Washington from political candidates at the end of the day. But I'm surprised banks haven't been blamed yet. That's going to be an interesting commentary when that time comes, when banks are going to start getting blamed. But on to the aerospace companies now. Boeing reported quarterly loss on problems in Air Force One and tanker programs. Okay, Boeing reported a 3.3 billion quarter loss Wednesday as problems in its defense unit uh, countered strides in its commercial aircraft business. The manufacturer, however, generated nearly $3 billion in free cash flow, and the three months ended September 30th, up from outflows of $507 million a year earlier. Boeing reiterated its forecast to achieve positive free cash flow for the year. Boeing's third quarter revenue rose 4% from last year to $15.96 billion, and it's more than $3 billion quarterly loss widened, compared with the $132 million loss a year earlier. The company's shares were down more than 6% after new training on Wednesday at least at the time of this recording, this podcast and the reading of this news article. 
after executives outlined a host of challenges through 2023, including labor and training hurdles and continued constraints on the company's supply chain. Quote, we're not anticipating or suggesting that the supply chain world is going to get much better in the near term, CEO Dave Calhoun said Wednesday on the company's quarterly. We expect it to continue to be challenging over the course of 2023. Here's how Boeing performed in the third quarter compared to analysis estimates compiled by Refinitiv. Adjusted loss per share, $6.18 versus expected earnings per share of $0.07. Revenues at $15.96 billion versus $17.76 billion, which was expected. The Arlington, Virginia-based company reported loss of $2.8 billion in its defense unit on programs including the KC-46 tanker and Air Force One. The company previously disclosed losses of more than $1 billion associated with modifying two 747 jumbo jets to serve as Air Force One a contract negotiated under former President Donald Trump. Quote, we have sparsely focused on maturing these programs, mitigation risk, and delivering for our customers and their important missions, Calhoun said in the employee note Wednesday. The trouble in defense unit has piled up as Boeing is trying to re uh, revive its commercial unit and recovering from the COVID pandemic, boosted by rebound in air taxi. Boeing commercial units revenue rose 40% from a year ago to $6.26 billion. It delivered 112 planes in the third quarter, up from 85 a year earlier. Deliveries of its 787 Dreamliner resumed in August after a pause for much of the previous two years to address the series' manufacturing flaws. Alaska Airlines on Wednesday said that it would exercise options to buying 52 Boeing 737 MAX planes for its fleet and rights for 105 more of them through 2030. Okay, good to know that. Uh, Alaska Airlines is going to be buying more planes, which means there's going to be a backlog of orders soon for Boeing. Continuing on with the article, the Seattle-based airline said the order was the largest in its 90-year history and that the new planes will be used to replace older planes and for growth. But Calhoun also, uh, correction, but Calhoun and other aerospace executives have said supply chain problems and labor shortages are hindering increase in production. CFO Brian West said the company expects to hand over about 375 of its 737 planes this year, down from January estimate, that it would deliver about 500 of the jets to customers. Quote, we, uh, we are realistic about the environment we face and we're taking comprehensive action, Calhoun wrote to staff Wednesday. Within our production facilities, we're not pushing the system too fast. We're slowing down when necessary and working hard to ensure work gets completed in sequence. Boeing has struggled to stabilize after two crashes of its 737 MAX, one almost four years ago in Indonesia, and another in Ethiopia five months later, a crisis that grounded the jets around the world. You know, with all, this, this is an interesting thought. If Alaska Airlines is ordering this many planes, does that mean Alaska Airlines might be the next, like, plane destination where a lot of people are going to go? Because think about it, okay? I've been on a Dreamliner and the Dreamliners was so luxury-based, okay? I mean, I after going on a Dreamliner, just flying planes afterwards, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I never want to fly in another plane that's not a Dreamliner again. With Alaska Airlines getting more planes, there's a high probability that more people who are traveling are going to want to go on Alaska Airlines. Not financial advice, obviously, but there's a chance, okay? Especially if word gets out that like, can you imagine like an influencer who's like, I just flew in Alaska Airlines and look at this beautiful plane I'm on, right? Can you imagine if word gets out on that? Alaska Airlines might be seeing some profit growth soon. Now, granted, we did talk about yesterday how there is concerns that there's not enough planes currently right now. I mean, a lot of these plane companies are getting rid of their planes that they currently have, getting rid of the older models for newer ones. So it might take time. But it's good to know that Boeing, Boeing might be back on track.
And it seems like they're going to have a lot of backlog issues in the making. But speaking of potential, not potential backlogs, Seagate. This is interesting because we just reported and we're we're still talking about this because there's, these are events are happening so quickly this week. Seagate will cut 3,000 employees in latest sign of major PC and cloud slowdown. Whoa! We just reported that Microsoft didn't do well. Google's not doing well. Apple reports earnings tomorrow on Thursday. Facebook reports earnings later this evening, probably after the time of this recording of this podcast. And now Seagate's having to lay off people. Another sign that things aren't looking too good, okay? Remember, when a few few years ago, they couldn't hire enough people. Now these layoffs are happening, okay? It says here from CNBC, hard driver maker Seagate Technology said Wednesday it has plans to cut 8% of its global workforce or about 3,000 employees citing economic uncertainty and declining demand for its parts. In addition to adjusting our production output to drive supply discipline and pricing stability, we are implementing a restructuring plan to sustainably lower costs, including reduction in our global workforce, Seagate CEO Dave Mosley said on the call with analysis. The restructuring plan was announced after Seagate reported fiscal first quarter earnings that missed Wall Street expectations for revenue and earnings per share. The company's shares fell more than 7% during trading Wednesday and are down over 55% so far in 2022. Mosley added that Seagate's customers, which include cloud providers, have a buildup of parts inventory because they are spending less on computers. He said he doesn't expect Seagate customers to finish up their parts backlog in the current quarter. The company will maintain paying a dividend, Mosley said. That's interesting thought right there. We'll talk about that in a second. Seagate makes hard drives and other parts often used in PC and cloud services. Seagate's layoffs are the latest sign that demand for PC and cloud servers is deteriorating after two boom years driven by the coronavirus pandemic. On Tuesday, Microsoft, which makes the operating system for most PCs, reported that Windows licensing sales dropped 15% on an annual basis. Microsoft's cloud business also came up short of versus expectations. Yeah, listen to that podcast about Microsoft's earnings where we talked about. It was only posted about a few hours ago. So, But this is insane. Seagate said its restructuring plan, which includes the layoffs, would save the company about $110 million per year. And that would be completed by the end of the company's March quarter. It said it's expected to pay pre-tax charges of about $65 million, mostly, ser- mostly for services and other termination benefits. Seagate reported adjusted financial earnings of $0.48 cents per share on Wednesday and significantly below fact sheets consensus expectations of $0.71 cents per share. This is insane. Okay. That means anything that's computer related. That means Apple's not going to. This is just my thoughts. Okay. Not financial advice. Because I got to remember, I do have a long-term position in Apple and I still believe in the company because they have too much cash on hand. And I think Apple can weather this storm if things keep happening this way. But there's a chance Apple's not going to report good earnings on Thursday. And a lot of signs from these companies are not pointing very well. Okay. Think about it. Okay. Yeah. We spoke about yesterday about how the the glass makers for the, the iPhones and tablets they're not sending as many parts out. And then at the same time, you got these reports coming out from Microsoft that they didn't do well. Now, granted, that is a cloud and hardware system. Their sales for their Windows, uh, their Windows, what's it called? The, the Windows, Microsoft Excel and PowerPoint, all that stuff, not selling as well either. Things are not looking good for Apple. I'm curious to know what Apple's going to report, but at knowing Apple, they're going to somehow spin it to where it's like a good thing that 
they're surviving. I mean, it just seems like Apple's just, the reason why Apple's so successful is because of marketing at the end of the day. So they'll figure out how to spin it. So that Wall Street's all excited potentially, but I'm still curious to know how this is going to work out for Apple. But speaking of potential job cuts, and this makes me excited, okay? From the media side, from CNBC, CNN chief Chris Litch has big ideas, but employees are nervous and more job cuts are coming. CNN is finally being held accountable, okay? The news used to be reporting the news, and it doesn't seem to be that way anymore. It's like with Twitter. There was an announcement that I guess Elon Musk is going to buy out Twitter, and a lot of employees at Twitter are nervous, okay? The world might be slowly getting back to sanity, just a little bit, okay? Let's read the article. CNN CEO... Correction, CNN CEO Chris Litch started conducting a business review of the news network and he agreed to take the job in April. That evaluation wrapped up last week, according to people familiar with the matter. And CNN employees are about to find out Litch's conclusions. Litch faces many challenges at CNN. Like all cable news networks, the business is shrinking. CNN makes money off advertising and pay TV subscriber fees. But as millions of Americans cancel traditional pay TV each year in favor of streaming services, CNN almost certainly can't raise subscription rates at a fast enough clip to make up for declining viewer numbers. CNN profit is set to drop below $1 billion this year for the first time since 2016, when Donald Trump was elected president. Parent company Warner Brothers Discovery valuation has nearly been cut in half this year as investors have lowered their expectations on global streaming, subscriber growth, and macroeconomic pressures that have pressured advertising revenue. Litch has been given a mandate from Warner Brothers. Discovery CEO Dave, uh, I think as you say, uh, Zaslave, to transfer CNN into the network boss uh, is internationally referring to as the right-sizing of the business. Many of Litch's job cuts are still to come this year, according to people familiar with the matter, who asked not to be named because the decisions are private. Litch's review is part of a a large effort to spearhead by uh, Zaslav, who has told the division heads throughout the company to rethink their units and find ways to cut costs. More than 1,000 people will be laid off by Warner Brothers Discovery. Before the end of the year, said the people, who have asked not to be named because the discussions are private and ongoing, Warner Brothers Discovery has about 40,000 employees. Litch did not specifically order to cut a certain amount of jobs or say or or save a specific percentage of spending, but he's planning to cut parts of CNN that have become bloated over time, said the people. A CNN spokesperson declined to comment. Some of the reductions have already happened. Litch has cut back on CNN's auto div, um, audio division to eliminate unpopular podcasts. He shuttered CNN's NFT marketplace, and his first job was to kill CNN+. The company's fledging streaming service strongly supported by former CNN Jeff Zucker. There have been many changes to the network's content. In May, Litch told CNN TV producer staff to stop over overusing breaking news banners. He's alternating CNN's lineup one show at a time, starting with moving anchors uh, Jake Tapper from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. and shifting Don Lemon from 11 p.m. to co-host CNN the, this morning. The network refurbished morning news shows with Poppy Harlow and Caitlin Collins. CNN's news morning show debuts November 1st. But Litch... Biggest challenge, more than accelerating profit or revenue or retooling his program lineup or winning ratings battles over Fox News and MSNBC, maybe to win the trust of his own employees. When Zasli called out and offered me the job, he told me what he was looking for out of CNN. Litch said in a brief interview this month, 
that I said, that's exactly the kind of network I would like to see. There's no daylight between this vision for this network and my vision for this network. The only reason why I took the job is because it's him in charge. I thought I can deliver this for him. You know, there's a simple way to get like viewership again back at CNN. It's not a popular opinion, but here's the idea. You got to start reporting the news as it is. Like you can't hide things anymore. Okay. You know, if you guys ever listen to podcaster Tim Poole, um, which I sometimes, one of these days, hope he gets to listen to this podcast because sometimes we kind of talk about similar things um, based off the fact that I cover the markets a lot more than he covers all news. But Tim Poole had said for the longest time that when he was watching the news a lot, that he discovered for the longest time, he realized that when CN, when President Trump was in office, that CNN, that's all they were talking about was President Trump. And that was it. And there was like other news that was happening at the time. And he finally just turned off CNN news. Or here's another idea that CNN can do. They can do investigating journalism again and be able to like do what journalists used to do. Find the story. And like, if there's like corrupt politicians, get them exposed. That's how CNN can get its its ratings back up again. They got to be able to do things that is unpopular opinion. You got to remember at the end of the day, if CNN's not doing this, things are going to get really interesting for CNN at the end of the day. They might not be around much longer. They might not be. Chris might be able to turn this around. I hope he does because it's really sad when networks start failing. But in reality, he's kind of making a lot of right moves right now. The whole point of business is to make money. And CNN's got to figure out now what the best route is. They look like they're on track again. But like I said, if they were to actually do like investigative journalism and like report the news as it is instead of like bias that they sometimes have, it might actually help in the long run for CNN. And all honestly, because CNN is just, I mean, who watches CNN news at this point? They used to be everywhere on airports, if I'm not mistaken. Don't know if they still are. Haven't been in an airport in a while. But I know at one point CNN had a monopoly over the airports. I don't think they have that anymore. Could be wrong, but there's things they can do in order to get things going again. Last thing we'll talk about from the politics side, White House hammers economic issues with attack on junk fees just two weeks before election day. The White House is working to assure voters President Joe Biden is doing everything he can to lower the cost of living with just two weeks until the election day. As polls increasingly show the economy is a top concern for Americans, Flanked by CFPD director Rohit uh, uh, Copra and CTC chair uh, Lennon Khan at the White House Wednesday, Biden announced initiatives to address junk fees from banks, airlines, cable companies, and other industries. Junk fees are surprise costs added to customer bills. Ah, good to see he's blaming the banks. So he is slowly blaming, blaming the banks again. Okay, we've been proven wrong. Thanks, Joe. Continuing on. It says the speech was billed as remarks on new actions to provide families with more breathing room. Quote, one thing that I find, I think frustrates the American people is that they know the world is in a bit of disarray, Biden said Wednesday. They know that the Putin's war has put an awful lot of strains on Europe and that the rest of the world and the United States, everything from blocking grain shipments to oil, and they want to know what are we doing? And there's a lot going on that we're doing. It adds up. Democrats are under pressure to show what they're addressing, inflation before the midterm elections on November 8th. In recent weeks, voters increasingly rank the economy and inflation as their top concerns and polls outpacing the abortion issue and threats to, to democracy. Polls show voters tend to favor Republicans on economic issues. 
A big talking point for Republicans is gas price. Biden has been focusing on lowering the price of the pump, frequently highlighting how the average price of the gas in the United States has dropped from the peak over $5 a gallon in June. Yeah, the only reason it dropped was because he released, and I have to remind you all, because we've talked about this on this podcast too, he released oil from our strategic reserves. If he hadn't released oil from our strategic reserves, you would be seeing gas close to $10 a gallon in some parts of the country, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. Gas was on the rise. And I know parts in LA was like at almost $8 a gallon at one point. Continuing on, quote, we're making serious progress in getting prices close to what they were before the pandemic. Biden said, I'm going to be working very hard to make sure the oil companies pass on reduction in the price of the barrel of oil to the pump. The Biden administration latest initiative reducing junk fees has been months in the making as regulatory agencies pressure or outright order companies to disclose or eliminate uh, MyRid fees. He said, for example, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau rolled out new guidelines Wednesday prohibiting banks from charging surprise overdraft fees on debit transactions and fees on deposits that later bounce. Quote, and we'll be getting started. Oh, correction. And we're just getting started, he said, adding that there are tens of billions of dollars in junk fees across industries that he's directed his administration to reduce or eliminate. The Federal Trade Commission started working last week on cracking down on unfair and deceptive fees across all industries, fees that were never disclosed and were no way to avoid the fee, Biden said. He's citing processing fees for concert tickets, resort fees at hotels, excessive credit late fees, airline booking fees, and termination charges to keep consumers from switching cable or internet plans or some of the fees the administration is tackling. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. You might have already lost, okay? You know, at the end of the day, this midterm election, it will determine where the market goes. And honestly, I don't know where the market's going to go. And honestly, I mean, if the Democrats win, I do know that you could potentially see gas keep climbing. And all honestly, I mean, at the end of the day, I still think gas is going to be going up because there's just not enough supply out there and the demand's super high right now. But at the end of the day, we got to remember the only reason why gas was at $5 a gallon in June is because Joe Biden had to release the strategic oil reserves. I think right now we are under 400 million barrels in the strategic oil reserves right now. From the last time we reported, listen to that past podcast about the oil reserves that we've talked about. But in reality, he is desperate. He is desperate to win over voters. And like I've said, I think Wall Street has already, I think Wall Street already knows who they think is going to win. And honestly, come November 9th, we'll have an idea depending on which direction the market goes. But I think Wall Street's starting to put those numbers in already. I think they're predicting things. And I don't know which way it's going, but yeah, I think Wall Street already knows. And I think the politicians know too. We'll find out soon though. Keep an eye out for the markets, guys. Markets are determined by politicians' decisions in Washington. So... I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much to listen to this podcast as well for today. If you've enjoyed it, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this channel as we be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street that Wall Street isn't always willing to be able to talk about. With that being said too, please also share with friends or family as every share with friends or family helps grow this podcast as well. And like I said, they might enjoy it too. With that being said, thank you for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.